What's up, folks? We are having a little bit of technical difficulties today. Something that has never happened is on my Windows computer, I have never lost connection. And it said lost connection. And for a good two minutes, I couldn't do anything. Uh, everything is back. Everything looks good. Hopefully, I maintain the connection throughout the show. Folks, this is Tony Brewer with Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about unity, and this is, I'm not saying that you're getting the sermon that I preached Sunday, but you're going to get a section of it anyway, and it's Psalm 133. It's just three verses, but man, they are great, and I think we can learn a little something from unity. Before I get into Psalm 133, let me run over to Amos, and make, let me make sure something just popped into my mind. Yeah, Amos 3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Um, where do I preach now? Um, oh, I'm, I preach, uh, at the Riverview Church of Christ in Riverview, New Brunswick. Uh, that's where I am currently, uh, in New Brunswick, Canada. <coughs> Hello, Robert Leedy. Good to see you. Of course, John Exum. Um, now let me get a let me get a caption up here. Nope. Let me put my caption up. Remember, Christianity now streams on YouTube. If you're on Facebook, you might have issues with the comment. If you'll look at the screen, this is what I see on the screen. Sadly. Facebook doesn't always populate this chat aggregate with your Facebook comments. So if you're commenting on Facebook, I'm not ignoring you. I'm not trying to, uh, to denigrate your comments or anything like that. It's just Facebook don't play nicely with restream. I am feeling better. Um, my knee, uh, my knee is not, my, well, my, my knee hurts, but it's not throbby. Like it's swollen and I don't have a full range of motion. And it's like got a dull pain, like a dull ache in it. So like if I move it, if I articulate the joint too much, there's a pain. But just walking around, uh, I'm aware of the swelling. I'm aware something is different, but it doesn't hurt to put weight on it. Now, that doesn't mean that I need to get out there and play soccer or American football or anything like that or run a foot race. But it's way better than I thought it would be this morning. Uh, my bruise, it's this, this dissipating. Uh, this is what I thought was the worst from the beginning. Like if you'll remember the, on Monday's live stream, I fell right before the live stream, by the way, like on the way down to come to the live stream. Anyway, I couldn't even articulate my, my wrist and arm like this. I believe I, I can't remember. It's the radius and the ona, and I think the ona is the bottom. So like there's a pretty good whop knot there, but it's trust me, it's not broke. There's no hairline fracture. The bone is not painful. 
it is the the contusion that is painful and like i've i've been bruised before and and i know what a bruised pain feels like then that's what this is so i'm so thankful for all the prayers thankful for all the concerns and uh yeah we're we're chugging along or plot plot trudging trudging along uh not chugging along that implies something different i think uh, i've a potter good to see you good morning all to scott beck now how can two walk together except they be agreed that really is the foundation of fellowship that's the foundation of unity uh we were told in school i can't remember who it was it may have been billy bland it may have been bobby liddell i cannot remember who gave me this illustration who gave us this illustration there is a difference between unity and union you can achieve union very easy it is much more difficult to achieve unity you can take two wild tomcats and tie their tails together and you will have achieved union, but they are not unified. They are not, you have not achieved unity. Unity is more than one person working together for a common cause. I think about the perfect example, the perfect illustration of unity is the koinonia, the communion. Think about this. Oh, hello, G- uh, uh, Gita. Good to see you. Um, hope you're hope you're doing well i can't speak for a soul outside of this chair but everybody in this chair is doing really well gita koinonia the communion the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion the fellowship the unity that is found in christ jesus think about the poetic passage of scripture from John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Well, Thomas said, well, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Folks, whenever I partake of the Lord's Supper, I think about that passage of Scripture because I think about exactly what I am communicating with that act. When I partake of the bread and and I ingest that bread, I am saying that I had to take something of Jesus and assimilate it into my physical existence, that Jesus is as important to my existence as food is important to my existence. When I partake of the fruit of the vine, the blood which cleansed me from my sins is as important to my spiritual existence as that fruit of the vine is to my physical existence. And then what I am communicating further is that although Jesus died, he was resurrected, he ascended into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and he is coming back. But more than that, he's coming back to get me 
and everyone else who is in fellowship. They share the commonality of faith. They eat of the bread and partake of the fruit of the vine. Folks, whenever you eat of the bread and drink of the fruit of the vine in a manner commensurate with God's commandments, precepts, divine examples, you are telling the world, Jesus is coming back to get me. And these people that are partaking of this, these are my brethren, and I am in fellowship with them, and they are in fellowship with me, and we together are in fellowship with God through his son, Jesus, whom this memorial puts us in remembrance. So, now, I think then about Amos's admonition. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Does that mean that we must agree on every single thing? It's very serendipitous. Uh, I got a private message from a friend of mine. Uh, let me go over here. And I'm going, we're going to have a, I may develop this into a, a live stream or a video. But let me open this up. What? That takes me to somewhere to the, I don't want that. Here we go. All right. There, all right. Hey, brother, I have a podcast request, if you don't mind. I know you'll be going live soon, so I'm not asking for this today or anything. I would appreciate an episode on finding the balance between law, liberty, and grace. So we're definitely going to have an episode about finding. The, in fact, I can already picture the thumbnail in my mind. But this is a question and a topic of conversation that is pertinent to the podcast for today. Um, a question that has plagued me for the last two or three years. What if I'm wrong? For example, I've often wondered what if our non-institutional brethren are correct about some of their positions. For example, the so-called one cup doctrine where everybody in the congregation has to drink out of the same vessel or we cannot, we cannot jointly participate in organized events between separate congregations or we cannot pull all of our money together under one congregation and have one congregation send that money to a missionary. There, there's a lot of things that these folks, you cannot support orphans homes. You cannot support preaching schools. You cannot support uh, Christian colleges, stuff like that. Well, so what if I'm wrong? Uh, does this mean that everyone else is bound for hell as they claim? So what if they're right and what if we're wrong? And I think that's a very good, it's a very humble way of thinking. Um, yeah, some people wake up in the objective and kickative mood. Um, so unity, can we achieve unity with people with whom we disagree? Well, if we take a, if we take a surface reading of Amos three, three, we can't, you know, if, if, if I believe that we can, as a congregation, send money to a church or to a, if I believe as a congregation, we can take money from the church treasury and send it to an orphan home and 
Joe Smith believes that we cannot, can he and I be in, in agreement with one another? Can he and I be unified? Well, I put forth to you that we can because we can, the, the, the places where we must be unified is everywhere God is legislated. And if God hasn't legislated it, then we cannot make an issue of it. Let me, oh, there was a passage of scripture that just came to mind. Where do I want to go with this? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 1. This is, this is one that comes up, and I'm not going to quote it because I want to make sure I get the words just right. And sometimes if I haven't studied something for a minute, I'll misquote it. Now, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. Now, if we just look at that and we'd only look at it at the surface, well, if, if congregation A believes that they can send money to orphans' homes and congregations B, congregation B believes that is a sin for the congregation to send money to orphans' home, then there's no, there's no place for unity, is there? I think there is because hopefully both of those people can come together and they can admit, you know what, this is a matter of judgment. I have, I've had some conversations with these folks, and once you can convince them that you are not trying to attack them or you are not trying to get them towed or hang them on the horns of a dilemma simply to win an argument, there's actually very good and interesting conversation to be had, and there is room for unity. You just sadly, and this is, this is just realistic, it's usually the person with the more tender conscience that has the issue. The person with the stronger conscience has to be the quote-unquote bigger person. I may need some vocabulary to help me talk about this because it sounds like I'm being condescending to the people that would be considered the quote-unquote forbidding brethren or the quote-unquote anti-brethren i believe both of those both of those designations are somewhat pejorative um, however we do need nomenclature to identify the line of demarcation that is there i just don't know what it would be maybe non-institutional maybe non-institutional now that that now that i've talked through that that's come to mind non-institutional so anyway my point is this can we achieve unity with folks of a non-institutional that believe the non-institutional uh, doctrines? Would that be right? Anyway, they have the scruples of a non-institutional group. They can, we can achieve unity, but the person with the stronger conscience is the one that has to facilitate that unity. Let me, let me, in fact, it wouldn't hurt to just have a, a lengthy reading here. I'm going to start reading in Romans 14. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not, and let him which eateth. Hold on. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth for God hath received him 
I believe I will petition God through the Holy Spirit and tell him that he used too many negatives there. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. All right. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord. He that he for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ hath died and rose and received, and revived, rather, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account to himself, or of himself, to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now this is a very important verse to consider for this conversation about unity. In fact, let's put our finger here, verse 13, and if I forget about it, y'all in the comments section say, hey, don't forget verse 13. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved, grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor to do any other thing whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith, but whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We then that are strong, here's the point, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation has grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus 
that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive you one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Here is another line of data that tells us what the boundary of fellowship and unity is. Hello, Sword and Pearls. Good to see you. Yeah, and regarding matters of academic pursuit, I'm not after argument, but understanding. Very good. All right. So that lengthy reading is the ultimate text on unity and scruple in a practical sense. There are going to be people come who have very tender consciences. The folks whose consciences are not so tender, in other words, they're able to go eat meat offered to idols. They're able to celebrate a holy day that God didn't ordain from the heavens. Stuff like that. They're able to eat meat where some people can only eat herbs and some people only eat herbs and some people only eat meat. uh, Anything, okay? We're not to have a separation if God hasn't legislated it. However, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather. No man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So when it comes to these folks who are rather forbidding, uh, the non-institutional folk, as we would call them, although I hate the designations, that's just dividing Christ. It's just denominating the Lord's body. We who don't hold those particular scruples have to keep in mind the scruples that these other people hold. And while we don't let them dictate what we do because we'll not fall prey to the tyranny of the weaker brother, we're not going to go to their congregation and dictate to them their own scruples. You are entitled to set up your own conscience in the Lord the way you deem fit. And a, an entire congregation is entitled to set up its own conscience, its own scruples in the Lord as it sees fit. I think of, I can think of a couple of congregations that on Easter Sunday, they have a big uh, fellowship meal and they go hide Easter eggs and they let the kids hunt Easter eggs. And I know one or two of them even have a fella dress up in a bunny outfit and he plays the part of the Easter bunny. Now, What, what's wrong with that? Well, there's a lot of people that would find a whole lot wrong with it. I don't see anything wrong with it. It's just innocent fun. I mean, everybody knows that the Easter bunny is nothing. However, you couldn't do that everywhere. So we've got to be careful not to do anything that's going to cause somebody for whom Christ died to stumble and offend the law of Christ. Brandon Wild and People of Wrath. Brandon, you're going to have to help me out with that. I don't know what you're asking about People of Wrath. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there are People of Wrath. It's like every time you know, they're, they're the, only, the only personality trait they have is anger and wrath. I guess that's two personality traits, but you get what I mean. So we're still talking about unity. You see... If I don't hold these particular people to be outside of the fellowship, 
I can extend the right hand of fellowship, and I'm just going to keep my mouth shut about the liberties that I have in Christ, which this is this is chapter 14 in Romans, uh, verse 22 and 23. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. You see, I can be a part of a congregation that collectively sends money to a children's home. doesn't bother me a bit. I'm free to do that. My conscience is not burdened. But if your conscience is burdened and we are and we meet on the street, then I'm not going to bring that up. I'm not going to say a word about it. And if you try to make a deal of it, I'm going to respectfully say, listen, I don't agree with you. Now, you're more than welcome to hold your position, but you cannot convince me that it's a matter of fellowship. And so I'm not going to allow that to dictate whether or not you and I are associated with one another. If you do, then that's on you. And once you've done that, you can wash your hands of it. In other words, it's the other person that is creating the split. Well, that's really about all I've got to say about that. And that that's that's your that's how you're in fellowship with somebody that doesn't that, that you don't necessarily agree with. You don't pick at it, you don't talk about it. You agree to disagree and you let sleeping dogs lie. You know? Now, let's go to the Psalms. I love this psalm. That's right, we are to be brethren not policemen, fruit inspectors. I've heard someone say there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being fruit inspectors. Listen, there, there's some congregations of the Lord's people that I won't go to. Not because I think they are apostate. I just don't like their fruit. I don't like the flavor of their fruit. Now, do, does that mean that I think that entire congregation is apostate? Do I, does that mean that I think that everybody in that congregation is going to go to hell? No, that doesn't mean that. It just means that those folks are a little different and I don't want to mess with them. Messes with my peace. You understand you have the right to do that. You have the right of association. You're not forced to associate with people that disrupt your peace. In fact, for 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 testimony to that, look at Paul and Barnabas whenever Paul was going to go back on his next missionary journey and Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark. Paul said, nope, he left us in the lurch, so I'm not going to bring him on, an, on a journey to, to allow him to do that again. And the Bible says that the contention between Paul and Barnabas was so sharp. And Paul and Luke left and went one way, and, and Barnabas and John Mark left and went the other. Now, it turned out well because there was two really good missionary journeys. But the fact of the matter is, Paul didn't want to be around John Mark. Incidentally, if you're wondering who John Mark is, go read the gospel according to Mark, and that would be the John Mark that wrote the gospel of Mark, of whom Paul said, uh, and bring Mark because he's profitable to me. So evidently they fixed their issues. I would think unity would be one of the many topics that keep elders awake at night. 
Scott Beck, if it's not, it should be. If it's not, it should be. And one of the absolute worst things that an elder can do is to promote union over unity. And I've seen several congregations where it's happened. They, they don't look, just don't, don't confront. Don't do anything. Just don't rock the boat. Don't say anything. Look, don't, don't say anything's going to make anybody mad or upset. You know, when you preach on this sin, just look, man, just take it down. And everything you said is true. But you said people that practice this are going to blow hell wide open. Why would you say something like that? Well, because it's true. Because if you're sitting in the congregation this morning and you're sitting there and you're in an adulterous relationship trying to offer play, praise and, and oblation to God, praise and worship to God, you're in a dangerous predicament, my friend. You're going to bust hell wide open. And the Lord will rejoice over you because justice has been served. Deuteronomy 28.63. Let's go read Deuteronomy 28.63 where somebody accuses me of misspeaking. Listen, now, th this, is, this is from the Old Covenant, so this is not binding on the New Covenant, but let's read this, and, and then you tell me what it says about God's nature. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to nothing, and you shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. Folks, God is satisfied. God's justice is satisfied, and God rejoices when his justice is satisfied. That means he rejoices at the punishment of the wicked as much as he does over the reward of the righteous. Now, that doesn't mean that what Ezekiel writes in Ezekiel 33.10 you know, if our sins be upon us and we pine away in them, how shall we live? Well, God says, as I live, saith the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his evil way and, and live. Turn you, turn from your wicked ways and live, for why will you die, O house of Israel? So, you know, you, you might be bowled over under a heavy load thinking, well, how can I even live under these commandments, precepts, and divine examples of God? And God is saying, well, why would you die? Just do what I say. So there's a sense in which God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but there's a sense in which God takes great pleasure in the death of the wicked in that he is satisfied. His justice is satisfied with the punishment of the wicked as it is satisfied with the reward of the righteous. So to Scott Beck's comment, I would think unity would be one of the many topics that keep elders awake at night. If it's not, it should be. Because if you're sitting there, again, in the pulpit, or if you're sitting there in the pew, and the preacher preaches about holiness and living according to the standard, and he uses something such as marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and says, look, if you're in an adulterous relationship, trying to give honor and praise and glory to God right here in this auditorium where you're, where we're worshiping together, then God is going to destroy you because you have, you have made impure the, the 
church. In fact, again, just just to make sure we've got book, chapter, and verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, listen to it. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So if you want to come up into church service, seeing how, how, how you can live like hell six days a week, and then Sunday you want to come and get right, you're going to bust hell wide open. And an eldership that is more concerned over union than unity will come to the preacher that says that from the pulpit and will tell them, look, you need to tone that down and you don't need to make these people mad. Well, somebody needs to make them mad because they're in sin. And nothing has been said or done about it. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we need to practice church discipline because according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, God's going to destroy anybody that defiles the Lord's church. Something to think about. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Folks, this is such a beautiful psalm about unity, and it gives us a lot of information about unity. First off, the word behold. When a congregation is unified, when a congregation is healthy and not in a codependent, toxic relationship with the eldership or the preacher or something to that effect, then you can see it. It has a physical manifestation. Hello, Jason Goldtrap. Um, but Aaron Dotson doesn't have a beard. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Um, excuse me, had to move it, shot pain through my knee. Um, but behold, like you can see this now for my Sunday sermon, because it's just in house, I, I actually said what congregation this was. I'm not going to tell you what congregation it was, but there's a congregation that I, I would go visit me and my family and man, it just, it just felt like everybody there was. Well, they were moving around like dead life. Dead lice was falling off of them. They were mopey. They they just, the vibe of the place was terrible. And then lo and behold, um, they make some changes. Uh, I come back later and it's, I don't know if it's my imagination, but the lights seemed brighter. Um. I'm walking with my, my family and I are walking to go get our seats because, um, well, I'm not going to say anything else. Cause if I say what I'm about to say, you know, what congregation I'm talking about. But, um, as we were walking down the aisle, one of the deacons said, Hey, visitors. And he is this, it's this guy, kind of a slab sided man, broad. Um, and he's got a smile on his face and he has a, he has a basket, like little red riding hood. And he reaches into the basket, gets out a little miniature loaf of bread and throws it at me and says, have some visitor bread. This is, I can't remember if it was banana bread or zucchini bread, but I'm like, 
Well, what do you know? And, and it was just, it was the difference between night and day. Something had come along or someone had come along and breathed new life into this group of people. They were unified, working together for a common cause. And you could tell physically how good and how pleasant this group of people was. And this group of people has continued to grow because people want to be around people who feel good because people being around people who feel good won't feel bad long if they simply stay and enjoy the same fellowship. So that's the first thing that I can learn about unity from Psalm 133 is it is a metaphysical state of being that presents in a physical way in this realm of existence. And it is good and it is pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. But then verse 2 gives us the spiritual aspect of things. It's like precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirt of his garment. Folks, there are five reasons to anoint in Scripture. There's anointing a body for burial. There's anointing a king at the coronation. There's anointing the husband by the wife. There's anointing of a prophet. And there's the anointing of the high priest. All of these anointings symbolizes a relationship. Um, the anointing of a dead body, it, you anoint the dead body because you want to preserve the body and you want to show that the body is ready for this next stage of existence. Uh, when you anoint a prophet, a priest, or a king, um, that is showing that this person is accepted in the role for which they are being uh, anointed. In other words, it, it's a it's a physical manifestation of something that is acknowledged metaphysically. And then you have um, when you let's say prophet, priest, king, high priest. The anointing of the high priest is particularly important because the high priest has to be accepted of God. Whenever brethren dwell together in unity, it shows their acceptance of God and it shows God's good pleasure in those people. And there is a spiritual blessing. In other words, this dwelling together in unity is akin to the anointing oil that ran down upon the beard and from head to toe were accepted of God. That, that's the idea. And we have a high priest. We have a mediator between God and man. And of course, for the new covenant, that's Jesus Christ for the old covenant. That, that would be Aaron or Aaron's sons. Tony, don't know what you have been a part of. Tony, I don't know that you have been a part of merging congregations 
But I would think unity would be a priority and not an easy one at that. No, I wouldn't think so. Uh, I've never been a part of merging a congregation, but one of the challenges would to be um, making sure that it was an actual merge and not a subsuming of one congregation by another. Um, that's, that's one difficult issue in the South and the United States that has that where the South has a lot of black churches and white churches. And I heard an old venerable black gospel preacher to a very young kind of arrogant kid. Whenever the arrogant kid was like, well, what are we going to do? Because we're so racist and have these black church and white church. And the, I remember the old black man said, you think we do this because we're racist? He said, the congregation, the building that we're in now, the congregation, it's been here over a hundred years. That's the white church, the black church across town. They've been there over, you know, almost a hundred years. If you want to get rid of the black church and the white church, how do we do that? Does the black church come and submit to the white church? Does the white church come and submit to the black church? Do we tear both buildings down or sell both buildings and go merge and have another building somewhere else in which who's the preacher, who's the elders, this, that, and the other. There's just so many problems. There's so many ancillary issues that if these two congregations in this city, that's a black church and a white church, if they're getting along, if they work together, if, if they have joint participation in events and stuff like that, why would you why would you con why would you close two congregations? Why would you why would you merge at all? But if you're going to merge, you got to acknowledge the problems that's going to come across. In fact, in uh, Forest City in Arkansas, um, I believe it was Forest City. No, it was a Tri City somewhere in Arkansas. I can't remember. That's terrible, isn't it? They they merged congregations like that. And I tell you, they did a good job with it from what I could tell. I'm, I'm not that I'm anybody, but yeah, Scott, I guess what I'm saying is, yes, you're exactly correct. Unity would have to be a priority and it's not an easy one because there's, there's so much history, so much history there. My home congregation is very, hold on. My home congregation is very caring. We got together on Monday morning and sent cars to shut-ins, the sick visitors etc we hear back from someone every week people want to be missed that's let me tell you something that's one of the, again if you want to foment unity find a cause a congregation of the lord's people has to have a reason for existing beyond well this is just where we gather to worship if you don't have a reason for existing beyond this is where we gather to worship, then it's, you're not going to achieve longevity. So the first thing I can know about unity is it affects this physical realm. It's, I can see it. I can behold it and it is good. It is pleasant. And it is likened to being approved of God. In fact, that would be one of the lines of demarcation. You can be unit, you can, you can be, you can dwell in unity or you can dwell in union. 
Well, the Lions Club, they have achieved union. They, I don't know that they dwell together in unity in so much as they're not all accepted of God. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm, I've messed up my illustration. I guess even the Lions Club could attain, could attain unity if you're, if the idea is, um, everybody comes together and they have a goal, a stated purpose, and everybody's true to that goal. Yeah. Anyway. In 2021, I created Introduction to Evangelism Kits. Inside of a small plastic bag, there's a Bible verse with a magnet, two pieces of Starbright candy, and a small piece of paper briefly outlining the Church of Christ. I make them myself about 50 cents each and distribute them to visitors, police, firemen, waitresses, store clerks, and strangers. I've given out over 1,000. I've met one person who didn't want one. Easy to make, very encouraging. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. All right, so let's talk about unity. You have to be accepted of God in order to be unified as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the the anointing oil that goes down from the head to toe of Aaron, and it's got to be your whole body, your whole self. Um, we go to First Thessalonians chapter five and read this verse where it talks about the whole self. Paul says that he prays that our whole mind, body, and spirit be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. Um, let's see. Verse 23, I said 25, it's 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the word soul there is psyche. That's your mind. If we're going to be unified, we have to be unified in everything. So our spirit and our body. All right. We're going to, we're going to be anointed of God physically. But what about mentally? Well, notice the do. Verse three, as the do of Hermon and as the do that descended upon Mount Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Now, when I presented this Sunday, I did this a little different. And I'm not sure I did it wrong. I'm just thinking the way I've got it in my mind now might be better. Let me explain. Verse 2, I thought more of the spiritual nature. In other words, we're, we're, we're part of the priesthood, the anointing, we have to be clean both physically and spiritually in order to be anointed. That's why whenever we're baptized into Christ, we're delivered out of the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. And symbolically, that would be now, now we're priest and we would have to have that anointing metaphysically. Okay. And then the physical blessings I had in verse three, but it's really not physical blessings in verse three. I think for verse two, it's physical blessings. In other words, when I go back to Genesis chapter four, 
I read of God's social contract. If thou doest well, will it not be accepted of thee? And if thou doest not well, then sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire. If you are unified with God's people, you are going to be living in a commensurate in a way that is commensurate with God's social contract. In other words, if thou doest well, will it not be accepted of thee? So you're going to be living in a way that is commensurate with God's social contract. So that anointing where you're going to live soberly and righteously is going to help you in this physical world, but you have to have help in the spiritual world and you have to have a relationship with God through his commandments, his precepts and divine example. Now in the law of Moses, you would have to have a relationship with God through the temple, which is on Mount Zion. In the new covenant, you have to have a relationship with God through the temple, which is not on Mount Zion. It dwells in our hearts by faith. It's metaphysical. It's in heaven. And there's a representation of it on earth. And how, how, then, how then are we a part of that? Well, check this out. I believe Psalm 19 would have some insight there. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. And then, verse 6, or excuse me, verse 7, I'm going to skip 6. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So if I dwell together with my brethren in unity, then that unity is like the dew of Hermon, as the dew descended upon the mountains of Zion, for the Lord commanded the blessings, even life after more, even life evermore. If I am dwelling together with my brethren in unity, then I am following the commandments, precepts, and divine examples set forth by God. That takes care of my spiritual self. In other words, I've cleansed my heart at that point. Folks, without unity, we're not going to be plugged into the brethren. Without unity, we're not going to be in the location of salvation whenever Jesus returns. Remember, Jesus is the head of the church, the savior of the body. He's coming back. And if we're not part of that group, if we're not unified with that group, then we're not going to be saved. It's like the illustration of the burning building. We climb up, the location of salvation is on the roof. And if we don't do what it takes to stay on the roof, then we're not going to be saved whenever the helicopter comes, in this case, Jesus. Psalm 133 reminds me of the woman who poured the oil on Jesus' beard. Sorry for the typos and split. And I got you. <clears throat> yeah, Mary, uh, or Martha, no, Mary, she broke that alabaster box and poured oil on the, head and or on the head and feet of Jesus, washed his feet with her tears and hair. Um, yeah, that's, that's what we, that's what we do. We, we need to pour our alabaster box completely out for God. Folks, I think that's all I've got for you today.
I just wanted to share some of these thoughts about unity and we'll end with the book of John chapter 17, starting in verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee, they, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I want you to notice. I'm going to read this again. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, Father, as thou art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Two times he stresses the, the being one, and he gives the golden standard. They need to be unified as you and I are unified. And what is the purpose of that unity? Well, if we read Psalm 133, it's because it's good and pleasant. But Jesus' own words state that the reason for unity is so that the world will know that God has sent Jesus. And that's where it's very difficult today. It's no wonder atheists, it's no wonder atheists exist. Because they see all this religious confusion and they say, see, how can God be extant? Well, I put forth to you that every time somebody obeys the gospel and they are delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, Jesus's prayer for unity is achieved. And you cannot affect this on any higher a level than the local level. So my my call to action is this at the local level, make sure that you are fomenting and promoting unity, not union, but unity. How can two walk together except they be agreed folks? We have to agree upon the things that God says we must agree upon. There's way more that we don't have to agree on than there is things that we must agree on. So think about that. And that's all I've got. Thank you, Brandon Wild, for the amen. Gita says, thank you, Tony. I appreciate the imagery you brought to the topic, and it will keep me thinking. And uh, appreciate the fine lesson on unity, brother. Thank you, Scott. And uh, appreciate you, everybody, for the comments and all that good stuff. Remember, uh, you know what? I didn't get to the ad read. Let us turn our attention Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Remember, it's gospel meeting season, folks. Are you part of a church congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches or any other organization she sees fit. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate both far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com today. And just because I want to throw up the tip jar, if y'all like what we do and want to help us out monetarily, send it. I will tell you today that Aaron Dotson is going to be getting his package in the mail. Um, and it's the reason we were able to do this is because of y'all. Um, let me go and I'll tell you, uh, exactly what Aaron is getting. He's getting a DBX 286 S microphone preamplifier 
and an ART tube mix, five channel USB mixer. And uh, the total for that is about 600 bucks. But we were able to do it because of your support. And he needs this equipment. And we're going to need a little bit more equipment for him because he needs some sound treatment. Again, we appreciate you. And, and without you, we wouldn't be able to do all this. Uh, my arm is doing, oh man, my arm is, it looks terrible, but it's, it's healed. When I say it's healed, that's a lie. Obviously it's a lie. Well, I'm not lying to you. I'm just wrong. I misspoke. Obviously my arm is not healed. It's healing. It's my knee and my back that's getting me now. And it's just, I mean, you get of a certain age and you take a tumble, it's going to take you a minute to get over it, I guess. And uh, Rob Lady, appreciate you very much. And uh, folks, listen, before we get off here, remember, tip jar, nearchurches at gmail.com, or you can do a $5 a month subscription at Substack. But I want to draw your attention to something. Um, join the Christianity Now group on Facebook. But if you think that you could help us grow this group and help us moderate this group, holler at me. Christianity is now at gmail.com. I do have a few emails. I got a, I'm starting to get a list of show topics from the emails that y'all are sending. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, that's it. It's a warrior wound. That's what we'll tell folks, Scott. And I'll tell it with a little bitty half cocked smile. So I can always say, I just kidding. <laughs> Cause it wasn't a warrior. wound. <laughs> it was a clutch wound is what it was. Um, all right, let me, yeah, right here. All right, Christianity is now at gmail.com for show topics and questions. But um, if you think you would like to try your hand at helping us moderate this uh, Facebook group, take some ownership, very, very few rules will be imposed on the group. Holler at us. And that's all I've got, folks. Uh, cogitations can be listened to on the archive at a Patreon, at a Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio and other places. So we love so much for you to tune in and listen to the archives there. But remember, Christianity Now streams. Subscribe to us on Facebook. And that's all we've got. God bless every one of you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.